Hello and welcome to everybody listening. This is Balancing the Act, a podcast that focuses on how you manage your job and make sure you travel. In this podcast, you will hear stories from people who were willing to take a leap of faith and believe in their ideas. Each podcast will leave you educated and leave you with a unique life lesson. Hello and welcome to Balancing the Act. Today I am with Matthew Fraser, who's from America. He's been a world explorer. And when I say world explorer, he's visited 60 countries and about seven continents. I think a lot of his life is something that you aspire to do. Uh, well, hi, Matthew. Hello. Welcome to Balancing the Act. And I'm very happy to have you here. I'd like to ask you about your travel during a pandemic. I saw a couple of pictures of yours put up on Instagram and you've been roaming the world even though the pandemic is on. So how is the situation like? And uh, how was your experience while traveling at a pandemic? Uh, well, I mean, this was more recently. It was, uh, what, a month ago? So I've had six or seven months to kind of gauge, you know, risk to reward. And I did, I've had time to, you know, see what countries are handling it better. And so I, I don't want to say I've, I'm, I'm a complete risk taker where I jumped completely in, you know, in April or something. But with that said, there was definitely some things I had to, to keep in mind. Insurance was a, little, was a lot more of a, of a forethought than it was for me ever before. And of course, the mask wearing and, and the social distancing and things of that nature obviously were things I had to think about. As far as the actual act of doing it, it was this, probably the easiest and the smoothest ever of transit of, of traveling I've ever done because of the less people and so on and so forth. Who is your favorite person to travel with? Everybody, you know, loves going to places with people. What is what is your thought on, on traveling with people? That's a good question because it, it falls into, I think the word traveling is too generic of a word because Yes, you can travel, but you can take a, a week-long, you know, trip to the Bahamas or somewhere, you know, tropical, luxurious with your with your friends. That is completely different than going to Bolivia or even Mumbai or somewhere that is completely, completely different than your culture that you're used to by yourself for a month. So I can't, I can't really compare the two. So if I, for, for why I like to travel, me by myself because that's the whole aspect of the traveling that I enjoy, the, the growth and the challenging myself and not having another opinion to pull me one direction. Every, I'm proud of every decision I've ever made. I've been made primarily by me. And I didn't have a girlfriend to, you know, oh, maybe I don't want to hurt her and blah, blah, blah. I've done everything by my decision, good and bad. I accept the, my faults, the decisions I made that were bad and good because I've done most of them by myself. That doesn't mean I don't like traveling with people but there's two different types of traveling. So me, but if I had to travel with someone, it's with, I have a couple of friends that I have my checklist. Okay, I wanna go here, let me call this person, let me call this person. There's a couple of those and it's cause we've traveled together. So we know how each other travels. So how has traveling 60 countries and seven continents made you learn about the different places or learn more about who are my real people and who are people who are just there during my my good days. Yeah, I can split up even too. I can like the 
the friend of the people, not even say that because they're still friends. The people that I valued probably overly than I should have back at home. And the people, the people that, you know, some of them I've met seven years ago or 10 years ago, and they're still my friends. So I guess I have like, I, I jokingly like my social media. I don't have like I'm not one of these these influencers that just has all these followers. I, I for the most part know all my followers and they know me at least know of them or that I'm a friend of a friend. And it's funny because you can like you scroll. It's there's two very you can see very two drastic types of people. My American friends and my travel friends. They're just so it's such a. But anyways, back to to people that I've met. To me, it wasn't, it's not just the cities. This is why I, I preach hostels so much if you're traveling alone, even if you're traveling just one other person, because you don't want to be just attached to that one person. But going to hostels, even if you don't like rooms, get a private room. Because the people you meet there is is half of the, or more than half of the whole experience. Because yeah, you want to meet the locals and get to know the locals. But if you're traveling alone, it's the people that you meet that you learn from. I went here. I went there. I and there's that little, especially if you're just starting off. There's that comfort of at least knowing this person traveling too. So, so maybe like not to be as nervous as if I was just completely by myself. So, I'm never always always by myself. And the people I've met at hostels, a lot of them we go to the next city together and we stay friends forever. They introduce me to a local that they know. So it's all like spider webs out from the whole travel experience. Any specific travel hostel that you would recommend to anybody? My favorite, and again, this is just my, it was my own subjective experience and this was like six or seven years ago, but I've stayed there, I've stayed there twice. Cause it's, and I've looked at the, the website still, so I don't think they've changed it that much. It's called the B-I-G, it's B dot I, it stands for something, I can't remember what it stands for in in um, Cape Town, South Africa. It, it It's just, it's the most homey, the most way, like totally the most homey feeling I've ever, because it's an actual house, but it's very, very, very modern. And it's it's just, the I don't know, the people that attract is the way it's set up, the people that own it are, are young. That would, to me was the best, the best home feeling I've ever had in a hostel. So that's my favorite hostel for that reason. But there's, like the hostels in New Zealand are going to be different than your hostels in Bolivia or or even Tanzania. Like in New Zealand. Can you tell me your most grateful moment in life when you were in Las Vegas? I'm grateful for for a lot of the opportunities that I had because I was in the military and I got in a car accident when I was in the military and I got discharged. It was a pretty, I was in a coma. That's a, that's a whole other story but I got medically discharged. So because of that, I get some medical benefits that otherwise would have, like in America, I don't know if you know, like getting, it's one of the hottest political topics of the many that we have right now is our medical insurance. And it costs a lot of, even a single person is gonna cost you know, a few hundred dollars a month. I don't have to worry about things like that because my medical is covered by the military because they, they discharge so I get, I get small like when I bought my house I didn't have to put down a lot of money so I'm grateful for those type of benefits just something that happened to me and I got compensated for it I'm grateful for the people in my life whether I didn't even realize it at the time that instilled me to 
to want to like see the world or better myself rather than make stupid purchases and, and desire to to get married and have a kids and I never, I never had anyone pressure me. So I'm grateful for, for the people, my parents and my sister, people in my life that helped me out. Having enough money to travel the world and how you generate that money more important. This is like a question that every Indian listening to this podcast would want to know. How do you travel the world and keep continuing to have the aspiration to travel? I can't explain the now without giving you a little bit of a backstory. When I was a kid, Indiana Jones was like my my first my first hero. Like I wanted to be. I remember you know getting having a whip and a hat. And so and the very first one was set in Egypt. So Egypt has, since I was a kid was always on my on my mind. As I went through puberty and girls and that stuff, that kind of was set to the back burner. But it was all I always wanted to be an archaeologist. I wanted to see Egypt more than the world. But I want to see the world. After I graduated high school. I didn't know what, I thought I was going to be a baseball player, but that didn't happen, of course. So I decided to join the Navy, just only so I can see the world. I didn't really, I wasn't brought up in a, in a, in a, in a military family, but I wanted to see the world and I wanted to get out of the town that I was in. So I joined the Navy. I got in a car accident when I was in the Navy, which enabled me to go see the world. After rehab, which, which lasted two years, I got discharged from the military, got sent back to the civilian world. That's when I went moved to Las Vegas to live with my mom, and I fell in love with Las Vegas. I got a job pretty quickly in the nightlife industry. So then I bought my first house at that time, and back this was in 2004. So 2000, no, I think that bad. It was in 2003 I bought the house. So it was right before the big real estate boom. So I made a lot of money off that house. I got lucky. It wasn't my intention to, but I did. And I bought a couple more houses. So I just followed what people told me I needed to do. We gotta buy, take the money and buy two more houses. And now you now you can go get this job. And it was all about the job and setting myself up for the future. So everything was. So I lost all the houses, all the money, not all the money, but the, the two houses that I bought during the crash. I was back to square one again. I moved back to Las Vegas to get back in the nightlife industry. I wasn't happy. I was dating a girl at the time that wanted me to marry her and I didn't want to get married. And I, I was like, <laughs> I was like I was, everything was closing in on me. And then my father had passed away like at that time, unexpectedly. And so that gave me a little bit of uh, a small cushion. Not, I mean, it wasn't anything big, but enough for me to let, you know, let's try this world traveling thing. I, I couldn't do it before I got kicked out and I got discharged from the Navy from my car accident. And then let me try this again now that I have a little cushion. And so I booked a one-way ticket to New Zealand with that, with no, I was like, I don't have enough money to do this forever. So my intention was to come back and just get it out of my system basically, and then get back to work when I got home. Well, after a lot happened during those six months, as you can imagine, to me, to back home, my girlfriend, everything. So I, I go back after six months, me and my girlfriend break up and I'm like, what am I, I don't, I'm, I'm even, I'm less happy. I was happier when I was traveling and I'm less happy in America than I was when I left. So why don't I just travel again? So exactly what I did. And not having a plan, not knowing what I was doing, not, that allowed for things just to come in. I ended up on the Gilly Islands. So I started making money because I was an instructor. So all the money that I was making being an instructor paid for my, it wasn't a lot, but enough to pay for my lodging, my food. So all the other money that I had 
which I didn't need to spend much because it's pretty cheap living on the island. It was that sustaining that part. Then I flew back home after two years and I thought I wanted to settle down a little bit so I got a dog. So in order for me to get a dog, I had to get a house with the yard. So I got the house with the yard just for my dog. And then next thing I knew, I make a lot of money on that house and it's a great location. One of my friends needed it for like, I think a couple months. And I made a deal, I said, hey, you pay for my travels and watch my dog, you can stay there. That was my first Airbnb experience. I'm like, wait a minute, I can do this. They like staying there. It went well. You know what? Let me try this. So I put on Airbnb and it's been almost three years and I've been traveling off off of that. <laughs> Airbnb money. <laughs> so Airbnb has changed your life. Exactly. Everything was incremental though. And if I if I go like four months without three or four months without traveling, I have enough money on my credit card points to pay for my ticket. So my so my flights are usually paid at least, if not all, at least half of them through credit card points. So I use those a lot of my advantage. Super. So in 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 this whole transition of things of you coming from a place, buying your place, and now traveling the world, what are the most interesting things that you've done the two like wow places for me that you're not going to no matter there's nowhere on this planet that you're going to experience this in my my opinion is antarctica and sundong cave in vietnam those two are the most alien most like if unless you actually you know go to mars you're probably not going to see more alienistic terrain then Sondong Cave in Vietnam or Antarctica. So can you tell me a little about this? Now that you've told me a little about this, I'm very interested and intrigued to know what really happened there in the Sondong Cave, Vietnam. Yeah. Are you familiar with the Sondong Cave? Yes, a little. It's, it's the largest <laughs> cave in the world. I think I'm pretty excited about this cave. And it's so big that it has its own two of its own four own jungles growing inside it because there's the adult you know what a dolite is it's on top of two on top of a cave it's cave it'll come yeah there's but there's down correct right there's two there's two um sections of that in this cave so or it's a three-day it's a three-day hike and you stay in the cave for two of those nights and like you are you know going through rock beautiful like beautiful rocks like rocks and then you know, so much in sand one minute, and then an hour later you walk and you're in a freaking jungle. So it's like, and this is all inside of a naturally made cave. Like there's been less people, or at, at this point, probably not anymore, but when I did it, there was about the same amount of people that had been to space had been inside this cave. Cause it was only open to the public in 2014. And it wasn't like, even though it had very limited spaces then. So 2017 was like the first year that, you know, you didn't have like a, a year long waiting list. So not a lot of people have been in there, but it's just like something. But how, that, how did you come to know of this? And you know, how much does it cost? Is it is it very heavy on your pocket? Do you have to be ready to be there? Like, you know, how physically fit do you have to be? I found out it, about it, again, just through my travels. Like I did Watmo Caves in New Zealand. The, the glow room caves in there and I'd like that was my first like real cave it wasn't really caving it was for me though it was I just loved that whole 
know, caveman experience or something that nature made, no human did anything to, and, and you're actually in the water. So all that, that so, the, so caving was on my radar. So I'll, you know, Google things to do around the world. And when I got close to Asia, things do, and I found out about this cave. And I realized, did more research, and it was just opened up, and a lot of people have been there. That's why I haven't heard a lot about it, because it was relatively new. So this is like in 2000, this was in 2014. And then I, I like I said, it was a long waiting list. So it's like, an, like, a, like a year waiting list. And someone, and I said, okay, put me on the waiting list. Like nine months later, they called me and said, we have an opening, do you want, you know, you're on the list if you want to go. It was, it's 3,000 US dollars though. So at that time, I'm like, I, you know, I got, it's going to take another thousand just for me to get out there and back for the ticket. So like, I passed on it and I, I always regretted it. And then there was a friend of mine who's who's my favorite guy to travel with to answer your question he has his own youtube channel jayo by the way i'm in a lot of them i don't know if you've come across it or if you've seen it i will definitely check it out in my instagram if you see my that jayo hat i have on it's his anyways he's riding around in a recumbent tricycle he wasn't going through vietnam on it and he 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 remembered i I brought it up to him i was just walking up doing the level five rafting in the Zambezi River. I had just finished and I'm walking up the hill and I was, oh, I was so exhausted. I was completely dead, I was drained. And I get this text message from Matt. He said, hey, you still down to do Sundown Cave? I'll be in Vietnam this day, which is like three weeks away. I'm like, oh man, I don't know. I'm exhausted. Luckily I said, you know, screw it, let's do it. So three weeks later, I was doing it because I know if I didn't do it with someone, I probably wasn't going to do it at all. So him and I did it together. And it's all, you have, it's all on video. It's well done. Go to jayo.com, Sundung Cave. He does a great job of it. And you'll see what I'm talking. You don't have to just take my word for it. You can actually see, see and witness it. Correct. Yeah, it's like it's such an alien, it's such an alien atmosphere. And, and you combine that with the actual physical adventure of it. So the lead into your second part of your question. You don't have to be in shape in the sense where... Like you have to run a lot. It's not cardiovascular. It's more of you need to be lim- you know, limber because there's a lot of, because there's no rails put in. Remember, this wasn't made for, you know, nature made this. So there's a lot of a lot of climbing, a lot of, you know, things you have to you know, squeeze through and a lot of rope, a lot of rope climbing. So you have to be agile, not necessarily. You, know, you can smoke a lot of cigarettes and still, <laughs> but if you can if you can at least at least like bend your bend at the waist and come close to touching your toes you, you might want to do some limbering up before you do it anything that makes travel fun for you is there anything with food are you big on food are you big on the culture are you big on the people what is it that makes this fun for you the number one thing the number one thing like without question is the unknown it's the kid in me I mean Peter Pan is one of my, I have a tattoo of Peter Pan. He's like one of my, uh, I don't want to say inspiration, but he's, he's a part of me. So it's that sense of not to sound corny and take a corner turn, but the wanderlust of just wandering and not knowing what's going to happen. That's why I don't like planning. That's why I don't like itineraries. That's why I don't like, it's just, that's why I don't like round trip tickets. I wish, I wish airports would let me, a lot of countries want you to have an exiting ticket. I just want to put one-way tickets everywhere I go. That's that's what excites me. It's the unknowns. It's the what, 
what are your plans to come to India to travel and anything that fascinates you about India because a lot of people who are listening to this podcast in fact 80% of the people who listen to the podcast are Indians <laughs> I am quick fun fact <laughs> and this is it's, the thing about India it's like my it's the I want to say forbidden fruit but in, in a sense it is because India is obviously one of the the most you know obviously the most populated country and it's it's almost like a if nothing else if nothing else india is is bragging rights for traveler like if you have, if you've never been to india have you even really traveled type of thing so there's that aspect of it that makes you really want to go but also my favorite of all the indiana jones movies was the temple of doom and that was all that took place in india and so like i've already done egypt and then i so i've got to do india now and to me like it's the it's the genuine difference that I'm in because I I've heard obviously I've heard tons of stories about you know I've heard more stories about it cuz I don't like doing more than the minimal amount of research on the internet cuz I don't want to be have a you know a big idea in my head so I'd be disappointed but I do listen to my friends who's been there and and even if the people that didn't like it and even the people that did like it they all they too the people that didn't like it liked it for the same didn't like it for the same reason the people did like it. the authenticity of it the the griminess the the realness the chaos that that aspect of it that's what i'm kind of i don't say nervous but it's a it's a, it's a good nervous well matthew it was great speaking to you it was a great uh, conversation about how you can travel the world how you can be the child that you really want to be and not just be res- restricted to what your job entitles you to and be so much more and thank you for you know taking the time out being on balancing the act and you've truly balanced the act and I have a lot of learnings out of this one so thank you awesome this podcast is brought to you by backpacker me instagram handle at @backpackerme follow share